Welcome to the Covert Narcissism Podcast. I'm your host, Renee Swanson. Do you remember getting all fancied up for that first date? Super excited to be going out with this person. You've been waiting for this evening, you know, for quite a while, and now here it is. And so, you know, you change clothes four times trying to find the right outfit and nothing just seems to be good enough. You fix your hair just right and you check yourself in the mirror like 20 times. Nothing in my teeth. Okay, good. How's my smile? My, my makeup? My jewelry? You've been prepping for over two hours. Oh, wow. Now it's time to actually go. You meet them at the restaurant and they look amazing. They took the time to get all fixed up too. They really put on their best. And it's time now for this first date. So you sit down and the first thing you do is you pull out a checklist of all the things that you don't want them to be, all the red flags, all the reasons to get up and leave and you start checking them. They're too tall. They're too short. They don't smile when I'm talking. They smile too much. On and on this list goes for all the reasons to leave. Is this how your relationship started? Were you already trying to leave before it even started? Probably not. Your checklist was probably a list of all the good things about them, all the reasons to stay. Their eyes are beautiful. They're so attentive to what I'm saying. Their laugh makes me smile. What stood out to you, the reasons to stay or the reasons to leave? I'm Renee Swanson, your host of the Covert Narcissism Podcast. And thank you so much for joining me today We're talking about when you wake up one day and you realize that you are living out of alignment with yourself, that your system, your body, mind, soul, life are out of whack and you're wondering, how did I get here and what do I do now? We don't start a relationship usually looking for the signs to leave. I mean, unless you've already been burned by a narcissist, then maybe, you know, you do. And in fact, you might want to. but. Before then, you didn't enter one already looking for reasons to get out. You didn't get all fancied up and go out on that first date expecting to bail on this relationship. No, we watch for the reasons to stay. We focus on the good attributes and we barely see the bad ones. Even with family relationships, we don't talk to our family members looking for signs that we need to cut them out of our life for reasons that we should never talk to them again. All relationships do have their weak moments, but it is incredibly easy to overlook the random issues, the red flags, the trouble signs. So when you are asking yourself, why didn't I see it? Why did I stay in this relationship? Why did I not see the problems? You need to realize that you weren't looking for them. You weren't looking for the reasons to leave. You were looking for the reasons that they are a good fit. Add to this the fact that we all have our moments, like I just said. Everyone gets mad and frustrated sometimes, right? You entered the relationship already fighting to keep it, already making the excuses such as, well, everybody gets mad occasionally. So let me compare this to a random nagging pain. Have you ever dealt with this, uh, uh, just a nagging pain? And no, I'm not referring to your partner. I'm actually talking about a physical pain here. So maybe in your back, your hips, your neck, your knees, and you just kind of ignore it. You just push through, hoping that if you ignore it long enough, it's just going to go away. Maybe some extra stretching or some ibuprofen, you know, and it'll take care of it. 
And it starts mostly as an annoyance and you can ignore it and kind of function anyways, but the pain gets more insistent. It wants your attention and continues to grow until it gets it. Finally, you start listening to it. You know, maybe I should go to the chiropractor and let them check it out. So you go. You know, I'm sure it's nothing, but, but maybe they can help. And what does the chiropractor tell you? They tell you that you are out of alignment. They tell you that your body needs to get back in line, that your body needs some extra care and attention. And you realize now that you've been living out of alignment for a while and that this is not sustainable. Now let's look at your relationship. You experience some pain, everybody does. And it can seem really small at first. You easily make excuses and you just live with it. It's just an annoyance. And you succeed in ignoring it, holding the belief that it will just go away. But the pain gets more insistent. It wants your attention and continues to grow until it gets it. You eventually realize that this person whom you have been defending, caring for, making excuses for, is completely out of alignment with who you are. They are manipulating reality, blaming others, reacting with anger, lying, all these things we talk about. Their presence in your life is out of alignment with who you are, with who you want to be and how you want your life to be. You know, maybe they're unusually cruel to a clerk in the grocery store because they're mad about a product being mispriced. Or maybe you catch them in a lie to their parent that they can easily excuse away and seem like just not a big deal. Or maybe they're secretly talking to their ex. All of these things not in alignment with who you are as an honest and trusting and caring person. In the beginning, there are often small signs that relationship is toxic and unhealthy. But we ignore these small signs. And the longer you ignore them, the bigger the signs get. If the small signs are pebbles, it's only a matter of time until you are under the weight of boulders. Severing toxic relationships is tough. There's nothing easy about this. It is painful, sad, and incredibly difficult. When that person is our spouse, child, parent, these are the hardest decisions of your life. However, cutting toxic people out of your life makes room for people who can and will truly honor and love you. Ones that will make you feel safe and respected. Ones that support you being you. And in these relationships, you thrive. More importantly, when you cut toxic people out of your life, it puts space in your life for you to love and care for yourself. It allows you to come back to being the central character of your own life. Now let's talk about this. Toxic people consume your mind. You're coming up with a hundred different ways to say something just to find the right one, which doesn't even exist in the first place. You're making logical arguments in your head that never get voiced, but they make sense to you. And if the ones you do voice never make sense to them, so we just repeat them over and over in our heads. We replay their words. We replay our words. We replay the hurt that they've caused us. I'll give you an example. So, you know, my husband needed to pick our son up at a friend's house and I was telling him where the house was, but he just couldn't grasp the directions that I was saying. And he got mad about the confusion and he sharply said, why can't you ever explain things? Well, you should learn to communicate. Well, I knew I had explained it well, 
And I knew I had tried several different times and I had not gotten upset about it, but he sure got sharp and, and, and aggressive with his words to me. So I just walked away. I gave up, you know, you can put it in the GPS. But my mind replayed the whole conversation over and over and over. Coming up with defensive arguments that were convincing and truthful. I was breaking apart his arguments, tearing holes in his logic, all of this in my head. But look at how much of my own mental energy this 10-minute conversation took away from me. It can occupy a person for hours throughout the rest of the day and even for several days, weeks, months. Replaying their words over and over, trying to make sense out of them, never finding a way. It takes up so much of your headspace, pulling you out of alignment with who you want to be. When you cut these relationships from your life, you are reclaiming your own headspace. You know, if I wasn't thinking about him all the time, what would I be thinking about? Where would my mental energy go? Where would I devote it? Look at all the positive things in life where I can put my time and energy. Now, if you cannot cut these relationships, at least not now, then at a minimum, kick this person out of your mental space. If they need to stay in your life, I get it. If it's a parent, if it's a child, that's hard. And I understand that, and that's fine. But kick them out of your mental space. Their perceptions are on them. Do not internalize that anymore. They don't belong inside of you. And if you are out of alignment with who you are and who you want to be, then they will pull you out of that alignment with yourself. We're going to talk about this as we go. I want to give you some signs that maybe you need to look at these relationships. You need to consider either leaving or at minimum making significant changes in your interactions with these people. One of those signs is you are constantly obsessed with this person. Your internal life should be centered on you, your desires, your interests, your hobbies, your projects. This is not being selfish. You are the main character of your own life. Along the way, yes, you care for other people in your world. They are part of that story, but your life does not revolve around them. They should be the central character of their own life. That's how we all should function. But the unhealthy internal obsession is making the constant internal arguments with them maybe ones that never get voiced, defending yourself before you even say a word, a hundred different ways to say something in order to find the right one, excessively concerned about their reactions, trying to anticipate them and prevent them before they ever even take place. This internal obsession with them is a sign of a lack of emotional safety and it is pulling you out of alignment inside of you. Another one of those signs is that you are always insecure around them or your insecurity increases around them. You doubt yourself in your interactions with them, maybe before the interactions even happen. You're accustomed to putting them ahead of you, making them bigger than you, so your body and mind are already anticipating this before your interactions. This anticipation leads to excessive anxiety and dread. If you are dreading talking to them, this is a pretty good sign that you need to reevaluate this relationship and this the interactions with them. Another sign of this is your ability to function decreases around them, experiencing that fight or flight response in your interactions. You can't focus on anything else when you're around them 
or even shortly before or after being around them. Again, this is a relationship that is pulling you out of alignment. How about isolation from friends and family? Narcissistic people do not want you to lean on your family and friends. They keep you isolated from people who care about you. This serves them well. You know, those people that, that care and, about you and love you, they might point out what the narcissistic person is doing to you. They might help your eyes to get open to the abuse that you are living. They might even convince you that you should stand up for yourself. Also, the isolation keeps you even more dependent on the narcissist in the first place. Let's say that they have a business trip and they want you to come along, but you don't go. Okay, for whatever reason, you know, I'm not going to go on this, I'm going to stay home. Well, they might say something like, you know, I don't want others to know that you didn't come with me. I don't want them to think that we have problems going on, so don't tell anyone that you didn't come. Well, that can seem innocent enough, and it might, you know, just seem like they're protecting their image. But if, they, if no one can know that you stayed home, that means you can't talk to anyone while you're at home. You can't get together with anyone while they're gone. Maybe go to lunch with a buddy or have, you know, dinner with a, with a family member. You can't do that now because you're protecting their image. But what that also does is leaves you in their control. Another sign is they make you feel unworthy of self-respect. Talking down to you, talking at you, assuming that you're going to give in just because they're the meanest one in the room or just because of how wonderful they are. Okay, they laugh at you and ridicule you. You think that? I can't believe you think that. Again, pushing you down, making you smaller, and keeping them as the central character of your world, keeping you out of alignment with yourself. Maybe you find yourself being the parent, constantly teaching them the basics of human decency. Maybe making excuses for them like, well, they just can't handle adult responsibilities. And if I don't do this for them, nobody will. Again, another way to control you. If they can't take responsibility for themselves but lay all the blame on you, then you feel obligated to care for them and you're out of alignment with yourself. Another sign that this is what's going on is when you don't share what is going on in your world with other people, your other family members, your other friends, people who love you and care about you, but you're not open with them. You're not honest with them about this relationship. And in fact, maybe you work hard to point out the things that make this narcissistic person look good. You make excuses for them, bragging on the small things they do. Are you trying to convince your friends or are you trying to convince yourself? I think there's some truth to both of those. You're overemphasizing their smallest goods and downplaying any negative trait or negative action and behavior. We hide these relationships from other people, not wanting people uh, to come over. Maybe we refuse social events or we don't invite people over for dinner. If you were in a relationship with someone who treated you with respect and love, you would be eager to tell others about it. But keeping that secret, that's a sign of severe trauma bonding. One last sign I want to talk about is the negative thinking that dominates. The negative thinking dominates them, but it also dominates you. Catastrophic thinking. Everything seems out of proportion. The smallest things are total disasters. You know, asking them to pour you a drink and you pay for that with a two-hour barrage of verbal garbage. This is catastrophic thinking. And, and so everything, you, you can't even determine anymore what's a small thing and what's a big thing because all of it leads to big explosions. Chronic stress, the hypervigilance of the overactive mind. Toxic stress derails healthy thinking 
and positive mental space. PTSD is one of the hardest injuries to heal. Their negative energy permeates all through them and starts pouring over into you as well. They are out of alignment with who they are, but now they are also out of alignment with who you believe you are. They push you or pull you out of alignment with yourself. True relationships don't do this. Genuine, spontaneous, uh, reciprocal relationships do not take away you. They don't steal you of being you. They don't cause the true you to disappear. They don't diminish you, but rather they build you up. They celebrate the unique things that make you, you, while they take the space to be them. Now listen to what I say here. A relationship in which one is trauma bonded can never become a healthy and loving relationship. This is not reversible. Listen to what I say again. A a relationship that is based on trauma bonding can never become a healthy, loving relationship. Take an honest look at this person. Are they in alignment with you? Or do you find yourself consistently embarrassed and appalled at their behavior, making excuses or even apologizing to other people for them? Now take an honest look at yourself. Are you in alignment with yourself? Are you at peace with who you are? If not, it is time to make some changes and create an environment in which you can thrive. I wish you so much peace on your journey of healing. You have been listening to the Covert Narcissism Podcast with your host, Renee Swanson. Be sure to check out our website at www.covertnarcissism.com. There you will find many resources just for you to help you on this journey. You can also reach out to me by email at Renee, R-E-N-E-E, at cnglifecoaching.com. Those letters are C-N-G as in Covert Narcissism Group. I do look forward to hearing from you. I wish you so much peace on your journey of healing. The information provided by Renee Swanson and the Covert Narcissism Podcast is for educational purposes only and is not to be used for diagnosis purposes and not intended to be a substitute for clinical care. Please consult a healthcare provider for guidance specific to your case. This material discusses narcissism in general. It does not claim that any specific person has narcissism and should not be used to refer to any specific person as having narcissism. Permission is not granted to link to or repost this material to support an allegation or a claim that any specific person is a narcissist. That would be an unauthorized misuse of the material and information provided.